On this episode of The Opinionated Ones with Eric Sanchez and Will Gordon, we discuss the NBA draft, the Russell Westbrook trade to the Lakers, and our thoughts on Aaron Rodgers' new agreement with the Green Bay Packers. Now, before we get into that, though, it's a great episode. I'm sure you guys are going to like it. Had to get into a little bit of Major League Baseball talk. Will and I normally only talk football and basketball, but I know he's a Nats fan, so I want to give my opinions on some of the things I saw at the trade deadline. And I got to say, as a New York Mets fan, I was excited. We get Javi Baez, one of the best young shortstops in all of baseball, having a little bit of down year by the numbers. But you can't really magnify what he brings to a team solely by the numbers. And it showed. In his first game yesterday, he hits a big home run. Mets have a big comeback victory. Yankees did well for themselves as well. But the one team I really want to talk about is the Chicago Cubs. Because just five years ago, they were winning the World Series. And now... And one day, they pretty much dismantled the core of that World Series team. And pretty much the core of their team as it currently stands. Javi Baez traded. Chris Bryant traded. Anthony Rizzo traded. Craig Kimball traded. I think they only got three guys on the roster right now who are actually part of that team for five years ago. And it's just such a fall from grace. I mean, if you're a Cub fan and you waited all that time to break the curse to finally get over the hump, to finally experience the euphoria of October baseball and winning it all, the way they did, especially being down in the series against Cleveland, coming back, rain delay, winning that game. Then to see it all broken up in five years. Don't get me wrong. You can't take away the memories and the feelings of that night when they finally were able to get over the hump and win the World Series. But you fought so hard for so many years to build up that type of core, to see it all gone five years after winning it all. I also think it's 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 a case, it's, it's a curious study of, of what goes on behind the scenes as well because it wasn't just on the field. When you look at the Cubs, Joe Madden brought over from Tampa Bay to help them get over the hump. They get over the hump, but then within a year of winning it all, he gets fired. Theo Epstein let go, and now these players are all gone. Something else was taking place there. I know it was a new ownership group there with the Ricketts um, that, that played into determining how they wanted to go with this franchise. And maybe they felt they, they bought themselves enough time with the fan base since they had won a World Series. But I do think it's a shame that a big market like Chicago would refuse to pay some of their stars and instead go with a complete rebuild, blow everything up, start completely fresh. Um, after, again, just a few years ago, they were the envy of, of all of Major League Baseball. As a Met fan who's been waiting to see my team win, it's been well over 30 years. I want to win, and I want to win bad, and I hope this year Javi Baez can help us do that. But more importantly, I hope we don't ever win it and then blow it all up within five years. I would like to see us in position to keep competing. Just my thoughts on the Major League Baseball trade deadline and Chicago Cubs specifically. With that being said, enjoy the episode. Again, Will Gordon, Eric Sanchez, the opinionated ones. Let's get to it. What's really good and welcome back to another segment of the Opinionated Ones brought to you by the Sanchez Show. As always, I'm your host, Eric Sanchez, with my main man, Will Gordon. Will, how you doing today, bro? What do you do, man? Good to be with you. You already know, man. Now, I see you got the shirt on, you got the hat. I see you got a beverage prepared. We got to get oh, yeah. into some NBA draft talk. It's a little bit of NFL talk. But first and foremost, let's start with your home team, the Washington Wiz. 
They kind of stole the headlines over the last 48 hours with this talk of possibly trading Russell Westbrook. Yesterday, it officially happened. Uh, he is going to L.A. for Cal Kuzma, Montrez Harrell, um, Caldwell Pope, and uh, first that you guys used yesterday. I want to get your thoughts first and foremost on the trade of Russell Westbrook. I know he was someone that you were rooting for, someone that you really liked having on the team with Bradley Bill. So what do you think ultimately happened? Man, first off, I'm going to, you know, thank Russ for playing his heart out night in and night out every time he put on a Washington Wizards uniform and, sh- and kind of showing that locker room what it meant to be a true professional and how to go about your business every day and how to attack attack this uh, this gift you have of being able to be a professional athlete and giving it your all day in and day out. I appreciate what he was able to do. But I love the fact that we was able to move him to get off, get 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 his contract, get his ninety plus million that he was owed over the next two years off our books, and to be able to bring back young, uh, young and very affordable assets, um, along with an aspiring contract and a draft pick that we were able to parlay into uh, two players. Yeah, you you've always been very complimentary of Tommy Shepard, so I wanted to definitely get your thoughts on that. And like you said, yeah. you were able. To- yeah, what, what Tommy Shepard's been able to do in his first two years as full-time uh, general manager for the Washington Wizards is is unbelievable, if you if you think about it. Let, let's go back two years ago when John Wall was still on, on our books, coming off of two major injuries, missing basically a year and a half or two years of basketball, making a Supermax contract with three years left on it. If you go back to that time, you you thought it was no way you were going to be able to get out of that deal because who would who would take that contract? How would you be able to move it? What kind of flexibility are you going to be able to have to build around uh, him and Bradley Bill? None because of so much money that would be tied up in uh, John Wall's contract and what Bradley Bill is going to be owed and earning coming up in the future. Then you have Tommy Shepard come in, and the first thing he does is move move that contract which nobody thought you'd be able to do and bring bring in a Hall of Famer and Russell Westbrook who as I just previously stated showed the whole organization how how you're supposed to go about this thing called NBA basketball um, he came out had a tremendous year started out a little slow but um, injuries had a little something to do with that once he got his uh, wheels under him he took off uh, averaged the triple double again and broke Oscar Robinson's uh, triple double record wearing a Washington Wizard uniform. That's something that's I'm always that's something that's going to go on forever. Every time you uh, reference the triple double leader, you're going to see uh, him in the Washington Wizard uniform doing it. Um, I look, I really when you think about it, with him being going going to the Lakers, I don't think it's the best basketball fit for him. But as 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 for us, as the Washington Wizards, I think we did a great a great thing by being able to acquire. I mean, Tommy, by being able to acquire young guys. Uh, you bring in a you bring in a, a Contavious Caldwell Pope, who he's not necessarily young. He's twenty eight. He's the same age as Brad. This is one of Bradley Bill's best friends in the league. He. Uh, Brad's family and his family vacation together in the offseason, you know? 
So now you bring it in. You're 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 uh, accommodating your star. Who Brad already knows the keys are back in his. The keys are fully back in his hands now for the with the franchise. Um, he's come out in the last couple of days saying he's not. He didn't uh, request a trade. Uh, that he wants to be here, so forth, so on, forth, so forth. But Tommy was able to bring in him. Then you bring in a guy like Kyle Kuzma, who, uh, if you think of Kuzma pre-LeBron, he showed a lot of promise, and he was, he was, I think I saw a stat, he was at like 19 and 6 in games with the, that LeBron didn't play. Now, I've always uh, mentioned to you before where when you play with LeBron on a, in a LeBron offense, you're going to have to give up a lot of your basketball and what you can do to accommodate to what LeBron uh, demands and what he, the way he uh, runs an offense. I think we're getting a Kyle Kuzma that can be a star in this, in this league. I'm gonna stop you right there. I'm you getting too excited now, Will? Now, why you say that? listen, I, I applaud Tommy for the trade because you're absolutely right. He was able to parlay John Wall's contract into a serviceable and, and all-star level player in Russell Westbrook. Russ had a very good year for you guys, aside from that first, I would say, two months of the season where he was dealing with some injuries. From that point on, he played really well for you guys. You were in a tough spot with the money that he was still owed. He's able to get off of that contract, get you a little salary cap relief. But I don't think anything you got back is is noteworthy. I don't think Kyle Kuzma is more than a rotational guy who, you know, some nights he may give you 15 plus. But for the most part, I think that's his ceiling. I mean, historically, like you mentioned, most guys give up a lot when they play with Braun. But how many guys have actually been better after they play with Braun in terms of role players? But how many guys have been that young playing with LeBron? Usually, LeBron's teams are stacked with uh, vets. He doesn't usually like playing with young guys. Even, even, I mean, even I mean, so, he usually stick with. So, if, if just a handful that I could think of that he's played with that I don't think really got better over time, I mean, let's see, Mario Chalmers wasn't better. Uh, I don't think Deion Waiters really got better after Braun. I think, if anything, Braun's Braun stand in Cleveland actually hurt Deion Waiters because I thought Deion Waiters was a much more aggressive ball player before Braun. Um, That's exactly the, the same same situation with Cooper. Right. But what I'm saying and then is. You say his is 15. Dude, this is a guy that's scored 41 points before. He scored 38 a few times in the, You know what I mean? He's, he's, he's had his moments. And, and this, I know there's been lots of guys that can go off on certain nights. But I feel like he's still young enough. And what I saw out of him early shows me he has the tools. And as long as he's focused, I'm I'm kind of excited to see what he can do alongside uh, Bradley Bill. And, uh, you know, with the, the uh, other guys on the squad that well developed uh, this past season, you, got, uh, you hope to see Rui be able to make the next step. He just dropped 33 the other day um, for the... Uh, for the Japanese basketball team, you, you, you hope that he can bring that kind of uh, dog in him back back over here that, I, that I've been wanting to see out of him on, on the team. You got Danny Avia coming back. Um, I want to see see what he can do in year two coming off the injury. Um, I think things are looking things are looking a little bit up for for, for the Wizards because you never thought two years ago, just two years ago, you thought we were in. Uh, Salary cap hell. Now, 
Tommy Shepard was able to move those Supermax contracts up out of here. And now we have the flexibility of being able to um, give Bradley Bill the money that he's um, going to be owed and deserved if he wants to stay here. And we, we still have the flexibility to be able to uh, sign a free agent next summer with uh, Montrez Harrell's contract being up this year. We might be able to be able to trade him and uh, get a, get another asset to bring into uh, Bill towards the future. Tom, the way Tommy's being able to clear these books and still have Bradley Bill on the squad is commendable. I mean, some of it I agree with. I just I don't know how this all fits the timeline of Bradley Bill. As you mentioned earlier, he's 28 years old. You want to build a winner around him, right? We know that. No matter where you have him ranked in terms of of uh, skill in the league, you and I have had that conversation, some of his weaknesses in his game, but ultimately he is one of the top 20 players in the game and you want to take advantage of having him on your roster. Montrez has a little bit of value. I think Montrez has hurt himself in terms of, of value because obviously he hasn't been an impact player the last two years in the playoffs. So I don't know what his value is there. Tommy does get a lot of credit, like I said, for getting some of that money off the books and putting you in a position where you can now bring in some quality guys. But I guess my question to you is, how does this fit the Bradley Bill timeline? Bill can opt out after next season. Is, is, or are the Wiz doing enough to keep Bill happy, I guess is my question to you, because there's a conversation that's been ongoing for like three years now. He's, he's an all-star. He's a guy who was eager to play on the bigger stages. He's a guy that five years ago when when they, you know, had a short playoff run and got to the second round, we viewed him as a emerging star. And then it's kind of tailed off. It's it's kind of leveled off recently. What do the Wiz do now to make this a better situation that, that Brad would feel comfortable in staying in DC? Well, see, I, I really think I think those this talk about him leaving is is overstated. And I might be being uh super optimistic and in the way I see it, but... In, in what way do you think is overstated? We've never heard that from him. Fair. Fair. And and the reports I read yesterday as well, he has not said one word to the to the Wiz in, in terms of, I want out. He has not ever uttered, uttered those words. But we right. all know you're, 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 on, you're on the clock whenever you have a superstar on your team. Like, Brad being 28 right now... If a season goes by and there isn't much improvement, now you're looking at a 29-year-old Bradley Bill who can hit free agency. And in most cases, that is your last chance at a big opportunity in free agency, whether it's another big bag or an opportunity to join up with the superstar that you've been eyeing to to partner up with. So even though he's never said it, you still got to feel like you're on the clock. But at the same time, how do we know that uh, he didn't want to play with Russ? I've been, I've been kind of getting that feeling like the last 48 hours with the with the way Russ uh, left because it, it had already been talked about weeks ago um, when uh, I think a couple I forget who it was I think yeah LeBron and AD started following uh, Russell's wife on uh, IG that's when the first rumors was uh, had started and now it's come out that it was about that time when they had this secret meeting at LeBron's house and they hashed it out and how they were uh, all the three of them talked about how they were going to be able to make that situation work on the court which I don't think it's going to work we'll we'll be able to get into it in a little bit but 
how do we not know that Brad? Maybe he didn't want to play with Russ. Maybe he, maybe, maybe they did. You know what I mean? Maybe it wasn't the best marriage for Brad. And especially to have a guy like him come in when you were, you just got rid of, you were just getting out of John Wall's shadow and making your own star. And then here comes Russell Westbrook, Mr. Triple Double, chasing a uh, chasing a record. You know what I mean? And while you're chasing the scoring title. You're getting outshined by, you know what I'm saying, by a nuke, a guy that just just got here. That probably, you know, that probably, everybody got egos. They get to this point because they, put, because they have an ego as, to some level. So how do we, what I'm saying is how do we not know that Russ leaving is not the thing that it's going to, the, the thing that it takes for Brad to stay? I don't, I don't think Russ leaving is enough. Um... He may not have wanted to play with Russ. I mean, I think Russ wears on people. Um, and that's why Russ is going to be on his third different team and, and well, his fourth different team in three years. Fourth you know, so, four. yeah, so I don't I don't think that um, Russ is, is, was the right teammate. I never felt he was the right teammate. Uh, you and I had those conversations before about what we thought Russ could bring to the table. For me, though, in, in terms of Bradley Bill, I just I just wonder when does he and the organization get to a point where it's like, all right, there's only but so much we can do now. Because I think the Wiz, not totally their fault, especially not Tommy Shepard. She- Tom wasn't there the whole time this, this took place, but you have now, now you're deeper into his prime and you're no closer now than you were five years ago to winning a championship or, or building that contender around Bradley Bill. And that's why I say, at what point does Bradley Bill get to the point and say, look, We've done everything we can. We we just can't get it done. So, so that's that's where you need Rui Hachimura to hit. You need Rui. Two. You need Denny. That's where you, you need, need Denny Kispert. to hit in year two. That's where you need yes Kispert to hit in year one. This is why. This is where you need the guys that you have. These young guys that you've invested in. This is where you need them to step up. You need Thomas Bryant to come back from the Achilles. That is and, that is a and be effective down low. You need Daniel Gafford to be able to stay on the floor and figure out how to not be in foul trouble. You need, uh, you know what I mean? You need uh, KCP to come in and play the defense that everybody already knows he can play and to be able to hit uh, knockdown jumpers uh, coming off the bench. You need guys to be able to fill their roles. If you don't have that, then what's the point? And the the one thing about next summer it's huge. Number one, Brad can opt in or opt out. And number two, but the, the thing is, the whole time Brad's been here, we've never had the money to go get a big name to, to bring to D.C. Not the whole time he's been here. It was him and John who took up all the money. Then it was him and Russ. Now this is the first time where there's money available to get somebody in here. And that's that's going to be, I think, that's going to be the true test. It's like, all right, well, now, you know, you've had your obstacles obstacles where you may not have been able to go as hard at guys before that you wanted to. Now you got clear books. What are you able to do? Are you able to, are you able to bring somebody in here to play with me or not? I think that's going to be a big test. And it comes down to how this season plays out, how he gets along with uh, West Jr., how West Jr. is able to develop the young talent, which he is known for. That's what he's known for around the league is being able to bring up young guys. We've now got a team full of young guys 
and cap space. We've never been that team since Bradley Beal's been here. So is it a situation where he's like, well, we almost have, you know, a clear debt and they're building, they're 100% building around me. I'm not going to get that anywhere else in the league. Anywhere else he gets traded, he can get traded to, he's not going to be the guy. So do you want to be the guy or do you want to be a guy? I want to correct you because if, if he gets traded to that team that's uh, right up I-95 North, he would be the guy. <laughs> but I'm not going to mention that team. I'm not going to mention that team. We're not sending him to New York, man. Yeah, Trust yeah. Me. I'm just saying, we're not, we not going to mention it. Um, me, it. It'll be interesting to see. It, it, I mean, I do agree with you on that. You know, for so long, they were locked into this this idea of Bill and Wall. Like you said, that they weren't in position to really chase another guy. Now maybe they, they're able to do it. Um, let me get your thoughts on yesterday's draft, and then we're gonna get on, on to the Lakers and 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 the rush side of things over there. Um, you and I were texting during the draft, Corey Kispert. I I I like the idea when you mentioned it about taking him. He was, in my opinion, the best available on the board when you guys selected. Do you think he's a guy that can come in from day one and, and have an immediate impact, or do you think it's gonna take him a little while to get adjusted to the NBA game? With his size and uh Maturity level because he's an old kid. What I really don't like a first round pick being twenty three because I feel like if you look around at other you know other guys coming in, I feel like you you about three or four years behind basically. So you so you gotta come in and and make some kind of impact right away. And I think he will, even though I don't like Gonzaga players, even though I don't like old guys, but I like forty four percent from the three point line. And that translates. Shooting translates. That was my goal coming into the draft to take the best shooter available. And we might have got the best shooter in the first round. So are you going to be able to uh, come in and hit open shots along with a uh, Davis Bertans that you hope is com- is able to do what he did a couple years ago? Davis got to start earning that check. He got to start earning that money. Yeah, he got to. He's got to. And and if he can, if if you got a guy like uh, the Rook and Bertans, I like that. You're putting shooting around. You're putting a lot of shooting around Brad. I like that, especially with what you brought in with KCP. I like what we're doing, man. Yeah, I mean, if, if, if the floor spacing works out and Kispert can translate, I mean, that is the one thing that always does translate, though, right? Shooting. You're a good shooting. shooter. You can shoot in any gym. So it should translate. It, it should create he's a lot not of. Six one, you know, he, yeah. he's got size. You know what I mean? So he can get a shot off. Right. So if if it all works out, like you said, you guys getting Denny back. If Rory takes that next step, and then you have the rim runner and Gafford, maybe you might have some. We got to see how how that turns out. Um, let's get over to the Lakers side of things because I think you and I are, are going to be in agreement in this. I don't get the rush trade, to be honest. Uh, I I never liked the idea. Um, on my previous episode when I had combos court on, uh, he mentioned it. And I, I said from jump, I didn't like the idea. I, I don't that see the fit. Episode, by the way. Appreciate that, bro. I, I just don't like the fit. So I, I want to get your thoughts on this as well. How is this supposed to work with Russ, Braun, and AD all playing together and a very suspect supporting cast? It's going to be a, a disaster if you ask me. This is not a basketball fit at all. This is like nothing about it makes sense. So you got LeBron James, who is who is the offense, 
Everything goes through him. He can play off ball, but he's not, especially at this stage in his career. He, I feel like he needs to be more of the Magic Johnson type point guard setting everything up so he doesn't have to, you know what I mean, take the banging and stuff down low anymore until, if he wants to keep playing until his son leave, you know? Anthony Davis, um, are you going to trust him? Are you trusting him to stay healthy? You can't. He's never done it in the past. No. And so why should I think as he gets older that he's going to all of a sudden become durable? Uh, then you got, then you bring in Russ. Lo- I love Russ to death. But his style of play, he needs, he can play off, he can play off the ball, which he did in Houston uh, with Harden. But that's not when he's most effective. That's what you're going to ask him to do if he comes to L.A. I mean, well, not if. Now that he's in L.A., you're asking, you're going to ask him to be the third guy. You're going to have to ask him to be Kevin Love. That's what you're basically doing. You're going to ask him to be Chris Box. Now, if you if you want Russell Westbrook to be the third fiddle, which means the ball's not, he's not going to be, he's not going to be bringing the ball up. He's not going to be getting, uh, in transition, that'll be the only opportunity for him to be effective is in transition if he gets a rebound. But in, in every other set, LeBron plays slow. They play set. They play sets. They don't play helter skelter, run and gun like Russell does. So, if you're not using Russell Westbrook to be Russell Westbrook, what's the point of having Russell Westbrook? You know what I mean? It's like if you if you own a restaurant, right? Are you going to hire Gordon Ramsay to be a, a, a prep, a food prep guy? That's basically what you're doing. Yeah. You know what yeah. I'm saying? I, the, move, the move is very odd to me for a number of reasons. First and foremost, I didn't understand why the Lakers were in a rush to make the trade. If, if what we heard is true about some of these veteran point guards that want to go to L.A., whether it's Paul, whether it's Lowry, um, whether it was them possibly bringing back Schroeder or even Westbrook, I think any of those moves could have been had a couple weeks from now. I don't think you had to make that on draft day. You didn't have to make the move. So to me, that just, that lets me know they knew that they were out of the market for CP3 or Kyle Lowry. Both those guys weren't going there. Um, neither neither was DeMar DeRozan, obviously, because you make this trade first. So I don't think now you can, there's no way you could fit DeRozan in on that team. Uh, the next part of it, like you said, is playing off the ball. Russ can do it. I mean, damn near every player in the NBA can play off the ball. How effective are you going to be off the ball? Though? How how much of a threat are you off the ball? Because I'm sorry. Especially when you only shoot 31% from three. I was just about to say, I'm sorry. I, I love Russ as well, but I'm hoping that Russ is shooting corner threes as opposed to playing downhill and attacking the basket. That's every defense's dream. That's why it didn't work in Houston when Harden would have the ball because he wasn't much of a threat shooting the ball. Right. And the Lakers are going to ask him to do the same thing where are you getting your, your your floor spacing from if him, Braun, and AD are on the floor together? They're talking to, they're talking about they're not done and they'll be able to bring in the guys, blah, blah, blah. They're going to end up with somebody like J.J. Reddick. That's what's going to happen. I mean, it, and, it, it's and J.J. Reddick can shoot, but in, in win time, you can't have him on the floor because he can't check anybody. He can't play defense. He'll, he'll get picked out every time on pick and rolls or ISOs and you can't have him on the floor, it's not going to work in L.A. I'm, I'm sorry to the LeBron fans and the, and the Laker fans. It's not going to work. And 
what Braun and AD needed was more shooting. They didn't need another ball handler who is looking to get his own offense going and who is most effective when he gets his own offense going because Russ creates the assist off being able to play downhill. Like you said, the Lakers are not going to turn into an up-tempo type team. They're not going to mm-hmm. be one of the teams scoring a buck 20 a night. And in the regular season, they're going to be nice when it looks good, when they're going to let Russ do a lot of the heavy lifting because they're going to try to preserve Braun and AD's legs. But in crunch time of a, of a against a good team in a close game, last six to eight minutes, Russ is going to be asked to stand in the corner. Yeah. He, really, you, he shouldn't even be on the floor, really, if that's what, he, if that's what you want to have him doing. You got to have a guy, because you probably got a guy that can shoot better than him on the bench. So you rather have that guy out there just just standing in the corner. At least, you know what I mean? At least he, at least you have a a shooting threat to uh, take the double team off of LeBron or take the the double team off of AD. Yeah, I mean, I look at this Laker roster. I didn't like it two seasons ago when they won the chip. I didn't like it last year, really. But I think, again, these are downgrades that they've made since winning the chip because so aside from the big three what's the rest of that lineup Horton Tucker overrated right uh who else they bringing in um Caruso Bob <laughs> uh <laughs> I mean you know are, are they keeping Drummond uh what's nah Drummond's out of there I, I, right um, so so again what's like the what's who who is the center the big the big uh oh Gasol yeah, Marcus. Gasol. Gasol was done three years ago. Yeah, you're right on that. When when Gasol got ter- when Gasol got traded to Toronto and helped them win a championship, he was done then. That's why Memphis traded him. Right. right. Yo, unpopular opinion though. Russell might be gone by the trade deadline. Cause I think I think once they actually get on the court. If LeBron is as smart as everybody tells me he is, first of all, I don't know why he orchestrated this. So that tells me maybe he's not. That's my second point. Once he once they get out on his floor and they actually, because like it or not, this this is a regular season move. Like it'll be pretty in the regular season because it's it's a different brand of basketball. But everybody's gonna be coming hard at them in the regular season. You know what I'm saying? Everybody, every, especially out west, it's a lot of it's a lot of teams that feel like they they belong, and they're gonna try to you know oh oh y'all y'all had a rush so what we coming at y'all if Dame stay out Portland they coming at you uh, you got uh, Jamal Murray coming back to Denver Woo. Denver if Jamal Murray comes back as the Jamal Murray that left Denver's going to the finals. I they, 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 I thought they would have been there this year if he didn't get hurt. So, I, I agree. I, I, you and I both said I, I like them. If, if they were fully healthy, they would have beat Phoenix, I think. I, oh, and, yeah, for sure. And, and don't be fooled for the people listening. Don't be fooled by the fact that Phoenix swept them. Those games were close, and Phoenix only swept them because that was a depleted Denver team. Not only was, yep. was Jamal out, but uh, Will Barton was out of that series as well. Will Barton was out too, yeah. Yeah, so that's a completely different series if Murray's there playing. I, I think Denver got to move up their sleeve too. Denver, Toronto, there's a couple teams I think got to move up their sleeve because I don't think Denver plans on just coming back next year with the same squad. I think they know they they holding a key chip and Michael Porter Jr. And if they can find a way to, to get somebody else, they will make the trade. No knock on Michael Porter Jr. because I like him, but I just don't think he fits their timeline right now. 
Like you said, they're a team that's looking to go to the finals. Michael Porter Jr. is still developing into a potential all-star. If they can but, go get that all-star they need, they, they'll move them. But on, on Michael Porter Jr., I think this year is, is the year that he becomes that. You know what I mean? It has and if, to be. And if, that, and if that's that, if he becomes that this year, then they they sitting pretty. It, it has to be this year. This is going into year four for him. It has, like I said, it has to be this year because they're gonna have to make a tough decision on on that fifth year option. He's going in year four already. I thought this was three. No, I remember he sat out his whole first year. Oh, he missed that year. Okay. Yeah. 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 yeah so right. he, it has to be this year because, like I said, then you got to make the, the tough decision on on a fifth year option. And I don't um, think it's tough though, because he gets better every game. He does. So I don't, I don't, I don't even think it's a. I don't even think it's anything they're thinking about right now. I think, I think it's a. A foregone conclusion that they know it's just okay. Whenever he comes up, when it's when it's that time, ink him. I don't, well, I don't think you, you can't let you can't let that kind of talent go. No, I, I think the talent is great. Don't get me wrong, but when I say the tough decision being made there, I think it's from the standpoint of once you make that decision on the fifth year and then potentially the extension, you're locking in those three as your guys, and you have to know those three are good enough to win you a chip. They're not in a market where they're going to get big-time free agents. Once those three guys are locked into a contract, like I said, either you guys got to be good enough to get us there or one of you guys will not be here long-term because we're going to have to seek out that other guy who can play with Joker. Joker's the foundation. Now the question is, can we find two other guys that, that can be complementary to Joker to get us over the hump? So... But in, in terms of Russ, and I want to ask you, you mentioned the unpopular opinion. He could get traded midseason. What's going to happen the first time him and Braun get into it? Because it's bound to happen. <laughs> it's going to happen. Yeah. And and let's not fool ourselves. This is going to be the most headstrong teammate Braun has ever played with. Because Russ is not going to look at Braun and idolize him the way a lot of these other guys do. Yeah, he ain't Mario Chalmers. Right. Russ Russ is going to look at Braun as if, like, bro, we equals. He ain't Booby Gibson. Yeah, we, we equals. <laughs> so... Just because just because these teams have allowed you to do whatever you want to do, I'm Russell Westbrook. I'm gonna do what I want to do. I wouldn't be surprised if there's if there's a couple shoving matches in the locker room. Yeah, he ain't Mike Miller. You know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> they want these yes men to run and play with. Man, he ain't none of these guys. He ain't he ain't uh what's that one dude? I can't stand. What was the one dude that uh used to play for the Cavs? Now I think he might be an assistant coach. Now he always up LeBron's ass. Uh, oh, oh, you talking about uh, Damian Jones? He ain't him. Yes, he ain't Damian, Damian Jones. And and he and Jones, and there's one one dynamic that this is only reason I'm gonna be tuning in to the Lakers to see how this plays out. The the thing about Russ that I love, and I'm sure you love this too, is Russ always carries a us versus them mentality. Oh yeah, any team That's he's what, on. The moment he you know, gets in it, this is a F you. Yep. That's what, like, that's, now, he, he, he represented that fully when he was here. Now, let me just give you a scenario. Remember a few years ago when Lakers, Rockets got into a situation and then Braun walks away with Chris Paul because that's his man? Oh, yeah, yeah. I Don't let that. that happen when Russ is there. Don't let that happen yeah. when Russ is there. Yeah. Cause, cause, cause Russ might just swing on you when y'all get in the locker room. <laughs> so, I, I'm just saying that's going to be a dynamic to watch. I think this is going to be a disaster. It's a match uh, made in hell, man. I'm telling you, it, it is, it is, and I think that the Lakers before this trade were probably viewed as the favorites to come out west if they're healthy. 
I, I don't think this trade strengthens their chances to come out west. If anything, I think this weakens their, their potential to come out west. They gave up their depth. The little bit they had. The, the little that they had, they gave it up. They gave it to us. Thanks. Yeah. I'll take it. There you there you have it. Um, Wilson, final thoughts on the, on the draft, man. Name me a player or, or a trade or, or a selection you saw yesterday that, that kind of just made you scratch your head. Like, what are they doing? Uh... That's the thing. Like, I can't really look at anybody and question them to that level because we don't know until we won't know really until for what two, three years what, what any of these guys are going to turn out to be. So, if I look at, I can't look at one team and say, "Oh, well, why didn't you take this guy?" When you know, say so you had the opportunity to draft this guy, so why'd you take him or this that? I can't say that about any team. What I can say is who I think is going to be the the shining star that outshines all these dudes. And that's going to be uh, Jalen Green. Something about this kid, man. I don't know what it is. It's like, and I'm not heavy, heavy, heavy into uh, G League. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I ain't gonna act like I've been I've seen a lot of his, you know, hooping or whatever. But to average 19 a game in the G League at 18, 19 years old, that is doing something. Cause I know they play NBA style ball. They got they got NBA coaches, you know what I mean? And and what he I don't know if you saw his uh I don't know if you saw his interviews before the draft uh last night. But he was talking about how he thinks he has the upper hand over everybody else in the draft because he did take that path because he knows how to live an NBA life already. He knows, he was saying the terminology that the NBA uses. He knows the NBA pace and, you know, the NBA style of play already. And when you add that with talent plus desire plus ability, you know what I mean? Man, and and the swag too. Like he, the confidence he carries with him. I gotta say the same thing about Kay Cunningham too. Uh, Motorcade, you heard that's his nickname. Motorcade, he got he got the same kind of. Um, when, when you talk to him, when you listen to him talk, you wouldn't know you wouldn't know if you were talking to a rookie coming into the league on draft night, or you talking to a guy that's been in the league eight years. You know, going into his prime, he's he, he the way he speaks is like he has that tone of a leader where you know from day one. Um, as soon as he steps into Detroit, um, even the veterans are going to be able to follow this guy. I think this draft overall is, I think it's going to be one we look back on and say that it was pretty top heavy because I love the kid that went to went to Cleveland, uh, uh, Mobley, mm-hmm. Mobley, Mobley. No, I no, I did, I did do a little dive on on uh, his, uh, you know, his. Uh, package and uh, highlights and all that. Oh, pause. Uh, highlights and pause. all that. Got a pause. High down. level pause. High level pausery right there. But I, on his own highlight package, and uh, he reminds me of a Toronto Chris Bosh man. Like that's he's, he's that's who he's been compared to. Like Toronto Chris Bosh. People forget about Toronto Chris Bosh, not Heatles Chris Bosh, but the with the. With the um, Venus Williams braids, yeah. Chris Bosh. 
<laughs> he was Nothing. nasty on the court, man. He, he, said, the, he said the Venus Williams Wimbledon dress. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? The Venus, before Serena uh, out, started outshining it, he, he had post game, post moves, because uh, shoot it from anywhere. He That dude was a monster. And then he gave up his whole, he gave up his soul when he went to Miami. But, but this kid does, and, and if he's al- he's already be sh- reminding me of that, then sky's the limit. Thing is, you're going to Cleveland, so you're going to be getting, facing triple teams because there ain't no other threats on that roster. But yeah. I think when we look back at this draft, it's not going to be. I think it's going to be more positives than negatives. To not, to, you know, you know, to to uh, respectfully not answer your question. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's, really I mean, <laughs> it's um. I, I mean, I'll, I'll take it from there, man. I think. Evan Mobley, to me, the question with Evan Mobley is, is at what point does he develop the aggressiveness and the assertiveness? I think he's a high, highly skilled guy. I watched a little bit of him at USC. That was the only thing that was missing from his game. He wasn't always assertive. There were times that he would just drift in a game. But it's understandable. He was 18 years old, you know, and he was trying to figure out his way. Uh, I love Jalen Green. And I, I was sold on Jalen Green by Brian Shaw. I, I really like Brian Shaw. And I heard some of the th- things that Brian Shaw said about him. And that's what I knew. Because Brian Shaw is an NBA level coach. He's he's He should be coaching in, in the league as a head coach now. Yeah, not just in the G many, League. Many, many dudes. Right. So when, when he came out and said the things he said about Jalen, about him being a student of the game, being a gym rat, and being a guy who just absorbs the information so quickly, and then hearing Jared Jack say that. We know Jared Jack had 10-plus years in the NBA. He was around Jalen Green every oh, yeah. day. He said, man, this dude every day is adding something new to his game, asking the right questions, figuring things out. So to your point, Jalen Green got to redshirt for that year. Now he comes into a situation. I think Houston got a great, great player with Jalen Green. You put him with Kevin Porter Jr. Remember, Kevin Porter Jr. was was dropping 30-plus on a regular basis late in the season. So I'm interested to see what those two athletes can do together. I I like, and and since we're going to keep it on that about players that we like, I really like Jalen Suggs to Orlando, man. I like it. They They needed a point guard. They got all these combo guards. Fultz, Cole Anthony. Uh, they, I know they're trying to get rid of Terrence Ross. I, they got another young guard over there too. I can't think of right now, but they needed somebody that could settle that that situation down. And to me, Jalen Suggs reminds me a lot of Darren Williams when Darren Williams came out of Illinois. I think I think Jalen Suggs. I like, that, I like that. Yeah, I like I like Jalen Suggs in that role, man. He's not he, he's athletic. He's not one of those highlight real athletes, but he's athletic, long defender. And, and has a great understanding of the game. And we talked about the Gonzaga team earlier with, with Kispert. Jalen Suggs was really the guy who who kept all that flowing in. You know, the moment Jalen Suggs came on campus, they became a title contender, and obviously they made it to the title game. So that's that's one situation that I like. I like him landing there and giving them some stability at point, man. Is Yusai is, uh, uh, Majiri still in Toronto? He is, for the time being. I believe his contract's up after this year. Then I'm a I'm a I'm a roll in with Usai and say that Suggs might it must, must might be some flaws there that we don't know about. Now I heard that his workout went bad in Toronto and his interview uh, was bad in Toronto. But I'm a Usai guy, so you know. Also, with because you know how I feel about Gonzaga players, I just something about Gonzaga players I don't like. But 
he does have an NBA body. He does have uh, a nice skill set. But why would, when you know you're about to lose Kyle Lowry, if you're uh, Toronto, why would you not take Suggs if if he's everything that life of life what you were saying that he is? I agree. And I just I just lean on you sign on that, you know, on that on that one. So with him not taking him, that shows me that's that's giving me a lot of uh, that's showing me red flags on 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 Jalen Suggs and his NBA uh what he's what he what he might be able to do in the NBA. Because you size I feel like doesn't miss much. He's got a great eye for evaluation. Yeah. Um, it, it, it shocked me. I thought that was a pick, like you said, because Lowry's leaving, and they're kind of in that middle ground of not fully rebuilding, but you definitely got to bring in as much new, fresh blood and fresh talent there. But I, I also think that there's a there's a move that Toronto's working on because Scotty Barnes, from all the stuff I, I've seen and heard, he's supposed to be NBA-ready defensively. He, he got flaws offensively, but defensively, he's supposed to be ready to go from day one he can guard four, possibly five positions, depending on the lineups. You get him, where does he play? Because they still got OG Ananobi and they got Siakam at the forwards. And well, I, I, that leads me to believe that they have a move up their sleeve, that they're probably either trading OG or Siakam to create space for Scotty Barnes. And that's that's why I think they probably didn't take subs. They probably know they're moving on from one of them forwards and wanted to go with more versatility and they they also have Van Fleet, so maybe they feel like Van Fleet can run a show. Barnes offensively though is just so so though, right? Very so so. So so how do we know? Like you you basically just described Michael K. Gilchrist. <laughs> you know what that, I'm saying? Now that's a really good comp. I mean yeah. I mean basically that's what you did. I mean he was supposed to be ready to lock down NBA players. Since he came in, Kid Gilchrist was was compared to, uh, compared to Scottie Pippen from day one. Right. So, uh, I mean, it's, it's always we'll see, but uh, I know, yeah. I know. Let's let's get in some NFL talk, man. We we at that time of year, camp is open. Dudes are reporting. Yep. Rookies have signed their deals. We still don't know what's going on with Deshaun Watson. We got it. We got to wait and see on that. Uh, but Aaron Rodgers, we heard yeah. a lot of the talk. Is he retiring? Is he going to do Jeopardy? Is he going to be back? He showed up. And now he got a new agreement in place with the Packers. Yeah. What are your thoughts on Aaron Rodgers right now? Man. <laughs> I'm starting to like this dude a lot, man. Because he played it so cool all summer, doing his thing. You know what I'm saying? He, was, he never really came out of pocket and... Super, you know, to all oh, get me out of here, whatever, whatever. He played it cool all summer long. Now he's getting paid. He shows up to camp, and then airs out the whole organization. <laughs> and it's and it's first time in front of the mic, in front of in front of the uh, Wisconsin media, in in months. He aired out the whole, and I love it. Like as as. You know, for what we do, what we doing right now, what we doing here, that's it's beautiful to have a have a star of his caliber come out and be so transparent on the whole situation of all everybody speculating on the whole summer. He put he pretty much he he cut no cards, and I love it. Um, 
He's the MVP of the league. He should he get should he have the accommodations and input that he says he feels like he should have in uh, personnel decisions and maybe he shouldn't have the final say. Of course, he shouldn't have the final say, but they should at least listen to the guy. You know, 17 years in the league, uh, still one of the best players in the league, one of the best players ever playing play his position. Got to kind of at least, you know, kind of satisfy him every here, here and there. Maybe that's what happened with this little Randall Cobb signing because Randall Cobb, he ain't, he ain't been effective on the football field in four years. So maybe that was a little, you know, them, them trying to extend the olive branch. But uh, I love, I love what this, what this guy did to the, to the, uh, to the media all summer, having them guessing, and then to come back and say, all right, this is how it is, this is what happened. Period. I'm here to play football. Let's go. I can't, I can't take nothing away from Aaron. Aaron. Yeah, Aaron. He played A-A-Ron, be- yeah. yeah, he he played it beautifully, and uh, you know he aired him out, and and you're right, he should have at least input, not the final say. Um, his voice shouldn't be the loudest in the room, but he should have some input, right? Because we love to throw around this title of this guy's the franchise player. Well, if I'm the franchise player, shouldn't I have some input on what we're doing with the franchise? And I bet Tom Brady got input. Tom Brady got a lot of input. Um, I bet Peyton Manning had input. Peyton Manning had a lot of input. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right, you know, as as you should, and to to his point, and, and he he articulated it greatly, right? Like he said, "Don't nobody come to Green Bay to vacation, right? right. They come here to play with me." So get out there, yeah. So let let's keep it a buck, right? Like if if they come here to play with me, and and players are intrigued by the idea of coming here to play with me, why aren't we leveraging that and allowing me to recruit some of these guys? Why aren't we spending some of this money if there's a free agent that wants to come here um and that's been an ongoing thing there for a little bit um so i think he handled it the right way but i think ultimately too he he changed the game a little bit because in a sport that has predominantly been players playing on year-to-year contracts because we know how the nfl contracts are structured year by year you could get up out of there if you're not performing the right way or if they find a loophole where they can get off of some guaranteed money he now has leveraged it where he holds all the cards after the season. If he says, I want out, you guys haven't changed anything for me. They got to appease him. And they've already verbally agreed on that. He gets to call a shot on where he gets traded to. And then if it does work out this season, he says, I'll stick around for one more year. He can completely void his contract after next season. So at his age, at his level of play where he's at right now, I don't think you and I, I, I know I don't, maybe you do, but I don't think he's going to be out the league in two years. And so he holds all the cards now to say, you know what? I see some talent down there in Miami. Maybe I want to go down there. Maybe, I don't know if he does because we see what's going on with Xavier Howard, but he may he may look at Delvin Cook and Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen in Minnesota and say, you know what? Brett Favre went to Minnesota. Maybe I go over there with them dudes and do something now. <laughs> maybe maybe he go to Denver. You know what I'm saying? He he holds all the cards at this maybe. point, and Green Bay is, is, is his hostage. Maybe he go to the, to a certain team in the in the DC area. Yeah, maybe he want to play with the best defense he ever played with in his life. You know what I'm saying? Come to Washington. You know? Who knows? Who knows? But he <laughs> he leveraged this situation beautifully. He holds all the cards now. The Packers have no choice but to 
give in to his request because at any point he could say, I'm unhappy now. And you guys made the agreement with me that now I can request the request the trade and not only request it, but you guys got to get me to the team that I'm looking to get to. That's that's the exact situation. And and if you Green Bay, that's why you drafted this kid love, right? Because essentially you saw that this was what you saw that this was going to be the ending. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel, no, no, you drafted Love as the eventual replacement. But if you if you're Green Bay, you gotta feel stupid right now. Because if Love was even close to being ready to hit the field, you don't give in to any of these demands. You know, before well, but they didn't anticipate Aaron Rodgers playing being the MVP of the league. You know what I mean? True. True. So that that kind of that probably threw a monkey wrench in their plans. Now, if, had he not played at an MVP level this past season, let's say let's say he was like the eighth best quarterback in the league this past year, then that makes it a lot easier for the transition to begin to the to the young guy or to put him out, or to put Aaron out there as trade trade bait, and put feelers out to see you know what you can get for him. But he, that's not what happened. He came out and balled. He he messed up their entire plan. So since he did, now they left holding the bag, and he's left holding a few bags. You know what I'm saying? Because he got paid. I even look at it though. Before the news broke of this new agreement, they were trying to sign him to a five-year extension. So that's that leads me to believe that they don't feel Jordan Love is close enough to hit in the field. You don't give Aaron Rodgers a five-year extension if you if you feel you have the other guy waiting in the wings. I didn't hear that. They said they offered him a five-year? Five-year. That's that's the, the uh, contract that he turned down to, that would have made him the highest-paid player in the league. And then two days after that, Devontae Adams cut off his um, extension talks. See, I thought, okay, yeah, I'm going to say that's a bad info because I thought the extension was for two years I, to well, make him the highest-paid player. So it, it, I, I'm probably wording it wrong. Then it might have been an extension on top of what he had right now that would have kept him right, in yeah, for five like, years. Yes, yeah, correct. Yes. So, so they, it would have been so it would have been the years on top of at the, at the uh, ninety something at the, on the, for the two on top. Right. So it's the two years on top of what he had, but again, that would have still kept him in Green Bay for five years. Yeah. And if if you feel Jordan Love is close enough to to being a starter, even if you felt Jordan Love may only need one more season. You don't you don't give Aaron Rodgers an extension if you feel Jordan Love is close enough. But you know that this, this ain't the NBA, so it's it's always outs with these NFL contracts. How much of that was already? How much of that was signing bonus? How much of it was guaranteed in that offer? You know, a lot of that could have been in signing bonus forty million up front. You know what I mean? So they already washed their hands with. So depending on how the structure, depending on the structure of that extension, um, yeah, it, it all depends on how where the money was. Was it front loaded or back loaded? If it's front loaded, then they could have got out of that in, in two years with you know without any regret. If it's back loaded, which a lot of NFL contracts are not, but if it was, that's when they were really stuck with them. So it really depends on how they had that structure. True. Ultimately, like I said, I think he, he's he's changed the game a little bit. He has the leverage now. And similar to what we saw Brady do last season where Brady got to pick his team, Aaron Rodgers could be in that same position 
next summer. That'd be interesting if, because, man, do you know how many uh, owners would sacrifice their firstborn to be able to bring in Aaron Rodgers for a little, um, hopefully, uh, Peyton Manning-esque to Denver run? You know what I mean? Like when when Peyton went out there and went to two Super Bowls in four seasons. I, I can think of 32 owners that would sacrifice yeah. their firstborn. I'd definitely be up for it. Yeah, Daniel Snyder's sacrificing his firstborn. He's sacrificing cheerleaders. He's sacrificing anybody uh, who he can sacrifice. He's sacrificing anybody who he can sacrifice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll, we'll wrap up on that, on that point. This is The Opinionated Ones.